If you have your Bible, go ahead and grab those. Today we will read together Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. It's good to be here with you all, family. Uh, it's also great to have missionaries that here this morning from around the world. Uh, but it's great to have you all. Thank you for traveling in the midst of the chaos of the world. And to kick off our missions conference today, we will read Colossians chapter 1, verses 4 through 13. It says this, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope reserved for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also, it is bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Verse 7. Just as you learn it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Verse 9, for this reason we also, since the day we heard about it, have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all perseverance and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Today, on the 53rd Missions Conference here at Calvary Bible Church, uh, I have the honor and privilege to introduce some of our missionary guests here this morning. I will introduce them to you all. They will also should be out by their tables following the service if you would like to speak with them more personally. Uh, We have Jeff and Ann Ingram who serve with TEAM who are in Germany, I believe in the Dresden area. We have Thomas and Lorinda Fleming who serve with World Reach in Albania. We have Mark and Josie Morgan who serve with Awana who are local missionaries here for Awana. We have Corey and Brittany Buckner who serve with the Downtown Rescue Mission. And we have Frank and Laura Galden who serve with Kids for Christ. I believe some of them are helping with the children as we speak. And for this year's missions conference, our keynote speaker is Dr. Jim Simono. Dr. Jim Simono was born in Florida in 1953, but grew up in South Carolina, where he became a Christian at nine years old under the Ministry of Child Evangelism Fellowship. Dr. Simono is married to Susan. They have five children and currently nine grandchildren. Uh, Pastor Simono has been blessed to serve the Lord and his people as senior pastor of four churches since 1980, three churches in South Carolina for, for seven years each, and then for 15 years at Young Meadows Church near Birmingham, or excuse me, near Montgomery, Alabama. Jim currently serves as the North Alabama Director for Child Evangelism Fellowship. He is my friend and mentor over the last few years, and we are honored to have him here with us today and with this week. If you would please warmly welcome Dr. Jim Simono to the stand. Thank you so much for letting us come and be with you. Myself, my wife is here. Susan, where, where are you? Would you stand where she is? Trying to look. There she is, right in the back. 
Thank you, honey, for coming. I really appreciate having her with us. Uh, she's been very patient. They said we had five children. There's actually six. I'm the number six, and she's taken good care of me. And very thankful for that. Susan has been not just my right hand, but also helped in so many ways. Support through prayer, ideas. Uh, every once in a while, reminding, maybe you should do that differently. <laughs> it's rescued me from many of my foolish mistakes, though not all. <laughs> I believe that only for the Lord, who's merciful and gracious to us. We're here about being witnesses. The theme of the conference is to be witnesses. I just want you to think about that and think about why should we be witnesses for Jesus? Think about it for just a minute. Why should we be witnesses for Jesus? Why should we share the gospel? Well, I want to give you just some of the scriptures. I've gone through all the New Testament scriptures and I have to tell you, almost every book either has a clear proclamation of the gospel, a clear Mandate, or at least exemplifies and shows us that we ought to be making witnesses. I'll just remind you, of course, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. And it goes on. Mark 16, 15. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Then Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, Christ is explaining to these disciples, all the good Bible teachers I know said, boy, I wish I would have been there. I wish I would have heard that. Wow, such power going through all the scriptures. He said, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. John 20, 21, Jesus appears in the upper room. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. All of these are, in essence, a great commission. And then Acts 1, 8, which is the theme for our missions conference. That's exactly what we're looking at now. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem In all Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. That's what we're here about this weekend, particularly. We always ought to be witnesses, but particularly we're focusing. The 53rd, I am so proud of you, so thankful for God's grace to you and witness from you for continuing to promote the gospel yourselves, but also challenge others to come alongside and also proclaim the gospel that they might hear for themselves, that they might know for themselves. I could go through book after book, I actually have a list Of all the verses that have kind of set aside. I think the Old Testament exemplifies it too. Not just Jonah, but there are other books as well that show God's desire to get his word to all nations. We ought to do evangelism because God commands it. We ought to do evangelism because people are lost and going to hell without Jesus. The question is, do we care? Now, sometimes there's all sorts of obstacles. Boy, I tell you, COVID has been a a frustrating obstacle. Obstacle. Often I'd strike up a conversation with someone in the airport, but now you're feeling, man, I've got to stay away from that person. They've got to stay away from me. And looking for fresh ways to open doors, to put lines of communication out there. We ought to do evangelism because we love God and we love people. God is the greatest one they will ever know if they could come to know God and see how great we ought to love them enough to want to tell them. We ought to do evangelism because Jesus Christ is the only way to God. 
All these are good, sound, biblical reasons to evangelism. But here in Colossians 1, the Apostle Paul rejoices because they, somewhat like Calvary Bible Church, were proclaiming the gospel. Colossians 1.6 says, It is bearing fruit and increasing among you. The gospel of truth was going out there. And Paul was thankful, but, but I have to tell you, don't stop with that. Because he prayed that they might know more of God, more of his glory, more of his grace, so they could spread it even farther. That's what I want us to do, this conference. I want us to go deeper in our understanding of the gospel, so that we can spread it farther. Especially as it's revealed here in Colossians 1. I've been blessed by God to share the gospel in many places and in many ways. I've seen people to come to know Christ in Dominican Republic, in Bulgaria, here in the United States. I'm not some great evangelist. Many times I've failed to share as I should. But God has opened doors for us and allowed us to share the gospel time after time. And I just rejoice in His grace and mercy and humbly ask that He would do more in me and in you and all of us. That we would learn to share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you got a chance, there was a little bulletin outlined there in the front. And we're starting with just saying this is the need for sharing the gospel. But if you're going to a non-Christian, you want to ask them, do you see why you need the gospel? Just some of the basic things they can see in their lives. All the things I've described are biblical commands and the truth that they need it. But can they see it for themselves? When asked people, why do they think they need a God? Well, some people will say, well, my basic needs are food and water and shelter. And those are important needs, folks. We're doing it. I'm so thankful for missionaries like the Rescue Mission, others that are doing a great job of reaching people where they are with that visible love of Christ. But ultimately, God says in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things, the food, the water, the other things, will be provided. That doesn't mean you sit and read your Bible and wait for God to drop it from heaven. Of course not. But God provides all that we need through many different sources. Sometimes through Christians caring for people that can't do it for themselves. Sometimes in miraculous ways. Sometimes in just ordinary ways. God gives you a job, you go to work, you earn some money, and you come back and you bring food. That's God's normal pattern for doing it. But it says in Psalm 34, even the young lions go hungry if God should withhold his hand, not let them have the prey they need, the food they eat to eat. The greatest of us won't have anything unless the Lord provides. We need to know God because God is the one who provides. That's our basic needs. I had a little outline. It starts with B. It's basic. God supplies our basic needs. A is a little different. We need to know God because we've seen what it's like to not know God. Atheistic worldviews have terribly crushed us. I've got a great book. It's called, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? Dr. D. James Kennedy has written it. I think it's out of print. I'm not absolutely sure about that. I'd urge you to go and try to find it online. I think it's a, a powerful book. And in it, he makes a very powerful statement about what atheism has done just in the last half of the 20th century. It's continued on into the 21st, but what he did in the last half of the 20th century. This is what it says. No century has been more like ours in terms of man killing his fellow man. Easily, more than 170 million people have been killed by other human beings in the 20th century. 
And that's a conservative estimate. About 130 million of these died because of atheistic ideology, whether it was Hitler's racism that viewed Jews as human bacteria or Mao Zedong's attempt to liquidate Christianity in the great proletarian cultural revolution. Modern technology has made all these deaths possible. For the most part, the atrocities of the 20th century happened because modern man rejected God. One man said it rather simplistically, but there's some truth in the way he described it. In the 18th century, people tried to kill the Bible. In the 19th century, people tried to get rid of God. And in the 20th century, they're trying to get rid of man. There's attack on the very human condition itself. Why should we want to know God? Because we don't want to live in that world. We don't want to have that kind of direction in our lives. Instead, we want to live. Which leads actually to the next point. If it be as the basic needs are supplied, an atheistic revolution would destroy us. Instead, look at what sociologically that Christianity does for a culture. When Christianity comes into a culture, one of the first things people start reading. You know what? Jesus Christ came, the eternal sinless Son of God, as the living word. But he also gave us a written word. So people have to learn to read. And as they learn to read, they begin to memorize. They begin to think. They begin to grow. They begin to understand God's world's view. And where Christianity has really taken hold, the educational level goes up. People become wiser and smarter and be able to use the world that God has given them for His glory and for the good of humanity. They have right motivations. They start caring for the poor and the needy, the prisoners. Health care has increased. All these wonderful things come in as Christianity comes into a culture. Again, if you have a chance, Dr. James Kennedy's book really goes into so many things that have been changed when Christianity really comes into a culture and is embraced. I'm not just saying mildly put on the side. I'm saying when it really becomes the heart of the culture and people follow it. Some people have complained, well, it brought slavery in. It didn't bring slavery in. Slavery was in the world. And what happened is in Christianity, it's pushed back against slavery, against abuses or the mistreatment of humanity. So Christianity has fought back. So we need to know God because we need our basic needs met. We don't want the destruction of an atheistic culture. We want to see if it was like it's like it's like the whole ocean level is lifted up of God's kindness and grace to a society. And because of individual improvement. The more you continue to seek the Lord for yourself, you grow. And you desire to be more what He's made you to be. It's interesting, we we try to become like the people we admire. We're not perfect at that, and you'll never be able to do everything. But when we see the Lord Jesus Christ in His perfection and His beauty, it draws a Christian to want to become more like His Savior. We'll never be the Redeemer of humanity, I'm not saying that. But we want to grow in holiness and in love and to reflect the life of Jesus shining to us and through us out to a fallen world. We improve as we see Him, we're transformed, the Scripture says, from glory to glory. Most of you in this room already know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But if you're listening to this message, you realize there's something else here in the book of Colossians that Pastor Bradshaw just read. In Colossians 1, 9 and 10, I'll remind you, this is what it said. For this reason, he's talking to the Colossian church because they were a good and a godly church, faithfully witnessing for Christ. Paul and Timothy said, I do not cease to pray for you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. He's praying, you already know a little bit about God's will. I want you to be filled up with it. I want you to know even more of the will of God. That you may walk worthy of the Lord. You know it, so you better live out this faith. Fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. 
See, there's a danger sometimes. We think, oh good, you know, I've got my children in church. That's good. Oh, they made a profession of faith. That's great. Oh, they joined a church. But now I, I can relax. Folks, we want to know more and more of God and not be satisfied till we reach heaven itself. We ought to know more of God's glory, more of His work in His heart, more of His grace shown through us. We need to see more of His glory, more of His power, more of His majesty. In an odd way, what would you think if a couple people came here to the church and Pastor Byron counseled them and they got married and they walked up front, they went through the ceremony, maybe even had their reception here, and then they just walked away from each other, hardly ever talked to each other again. Occasionally they would call each other on the phone, hey, how you doing? But just totally ignored each other. You'd say, well, yeah, it's, it's a marriage on paper, but it's not really a marriage. See, our relationship with Christ is not just, oh, we meet Him and then we're done. Oh, we've attained this level, now we're finished. We're continuing to grow in the Lord. And Paul is praying here. He doesn't just pray it here, he prays in the book of Ephesians. You go throughout the scripture. The idea is to know more of God and more of His glory and more of His grace. Especially in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you listen very carefully? Pastor Byron led the prayer. And that's really what it was. Paul is opening up praying that we would know the Lord Jesus better. Now listen very carefully as I read to you following the passage he just read. He's praying that we'll know Jesus better. And then he begins exalting in God, just saying what a great Lord and Savior we have. Let me read the passage and then just kind of walk through it with you. He is speaking of Jesus in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he's now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith. Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. What I want to do today with you is tell you a little bit about the wordless book. Now, how many of you have seen the wordless book? Boy, this has such a big thing. I'm sorry if I blind you with the gold page. I went to Hobby Lobby. They have gold paper there. You can walk through the wordless book and share the gospel with people. What I want to do in this conference is take Colossians 1 and look through the wordless book. Today, I just want this morning to look at the gold page, the wonder, the glory, the majesty of God that's found right here in Colossians 1 as we've just read. I want us to see the wonder of the gospel, the wonder of Christ, the glory of the Trinitarian connection in the passage that Pastor Byron read. It spoke about God the Father and His Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the work of the Spirit. This Trinitarian connection 
that's there in the people of God. Excuse me, that's there in, in God himself. It's hard for us to imagine. I, I wish we could see it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Perfect harmony. Perfect unity. From all eternity planned that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, this plan of creation, this plan of redemption, this plan of glorification, that this would be accomplished. God the Father is the planner. Set the days and the hours and the time which He alone knows in Himself. And He sent forth His Son. Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. This beautiful picture of the Lord Himself showing us the glory of God. Colossians 1.15 He is the image of the invisible God. Christ is fully God. There are people who want to say, no, He became God. There are all sorts of heresies in the church and people had to fight to say, no, the Bible is clear. It says Jesus is God, has always been God, but some want to make Him less than God or some want to say He became a God. Some even have this crazy idea that Jesus became a human being and then, then God sent the Spirit and He became the Son of God and then before He died on the cross, the Spirit disappeared. There are lies and heresies all around. Jesus Christ is fully God. I love in Isaiah 9, 6 when the prophecy says who Jesus is. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jesus is one with the Father. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Blessed Trinity. The glory of God is seen. The glory of God is also seen in His creation. I love the beauty of creation. I'm so excited about this. there's There's a song that talks about God hung all the stars in space and He knows them by name. You know, when you're a little child, you see a little bit of your world and you begin to think your mom and dad and maybe a few people around you, this is your world. And you get a little older and you realize, oh, there are people down the street that live a little bit bigger, people other places in the world. And then you get to realize, wow, there's a, a, a galaxy out here, a universe out here. You can see the stars. And then the more we study, we begin to realize the universe is so much bigger than we ever imagined. When the Hubble telescope went into space, one of the things we found out is there are a lot more stars. We originally thought there were billions and billions of stars. And now we've seen almost each galaxy has billions and billions of stars. The universe is bigger than we've ever imagined. But that's what's incredible. God knows every star, names every star, controls every star, created in and through Jesus Christ, the beginning of all creation, the one to whom everything is given, the creator of all. I've been fascinated too. Uh, My son's an electrical engineer and really proud of him. He's done a great job. I found a book when I was in high school called The God Particle. And I got it. I was going to read it. I never made it through. He got it and he just tore through it. Well, at first, I thought it was a great spiritual book. It's not. I'll just tell you that. The God Barkle is scientists trying to find the finest, smallest piece of creation. They call it the God Particle more because of old Greek mythology than they do because they're not necessarily. I know there are godly scientists, but they weren't at that point trying to do that, but find the smallest pieces. Of course, we found atoms. And from atoms, protons, neutrons, and electrons. And they said, aren't those made of something smaller? And then with the collider, they've been able to theorize. I think it was 1999 that they theorized it. And then in the early 2000s, they discovered something called quarks. They did something called a Higgs boson event. I'm starting to talk beyond what I can explain, so I'm just telling you. And they found the very smallest bits of creation 
Why do I tell you this? Because Jesus made it all. From all the massive elements beyond our ability, the macro systems down to the micro systems. God is bigger than we've ever imagined. Now, we're going to explain the gold page to children. We don't go through all this detail. But you're adults. Many of you are Christians. You have known the Lord for many years. And part of our problem is our God is too small. We try to put him in this little box and only think a little bit about him. He is greater than we can ever imagine. The Lord made it all, controls it all, directs it all in ways that are just beyond us. God is that great. That's what we want to understand. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the creator of all. He's the one who made heaven and sustains it and holds it before us. All of his creation is out there for us. All of us for us to see the greatness and the majesty and the glory of his power. It says in Colossians 1.16, rulers and authorities of earthly leaders and rulers, but I also believe he's talking about heavenly powers. Sometimes we think we're so sophisticated, this is part of the danger, that this world is just about what I can see, what I can touch, what I can taste. And yet, Almighty God, no eye has seen Him. Yes, Moses met with Him face to face, but ultimately, the glory of God is beyond what we can touch. There are mysteries, there are principalities, there's powers There's forces that hold this universe together that we don't even begin to understand. God made them all. God sustains them all. God controls them all. Can you see that? Can you grasp it? He's the total creator. He's the absolute sustainer. Look what it says in verse 17. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Christ keeps them running. How does he do that? (laughs) Well, he's God and I'm not, so I don't know. But I know this is true. And I know he's almighty God. And he's the holy head over his church. As we move forward in our slides, we can kind of move to the next ones. Move forward there and another one. Keep going. This is the glory of Christ. Heaven itself in the background. The gold reminds us of heaven. Keep going. Let's go. The next slide. I keep moving forward. There you go. The head of his church right behind you. The head over his his church. Remember who Jesus is? He's the sinless son of God who came to earth. He died for our sins. You and I are not pure. He is totally pure and holy. And we'll come to that in just a minute. He died so that we could be forgiven. I love that concept. He would rather die... Then live without us. That's what Christ did. So we could be redeemed. We could be. The guilt of our sin could be paid for. And we could be born again. To begin to realize how great God is. How big and how mighty and how wondrous. He's the head of his church. And I like to say he's the holy head of his church. If we go to the next slide. We see that holiness of God. Do you remember Isaiah 6. 1 through 8. The angel singing around the throne. Holy, holy, holy. We see gold and we're reminded of pure gold. We're reminded of God's holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's not just God the Father. It's God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. All are holy. 
If you ever get a chance to read it, R.C. Sproul's book on the holiness of God has a beautiful picture of the holiness of God, and especially this passage. And one kind of cute story sticks with me to help maybe stick with you of the holiness of God. The way the Hebrews would express a term if they wanted to emphasize something is they would repeat it. So, instance, R.C. Sproul tells, if you had a big hole in your backyard, and you said, boy, that's a deep pit, then that would be good. One, one word for deep pit. But maybe it's a sinkhole and about... Ten houses fall into it, and you said, that is a pit pit, because that's a really deep pit. But if you go to the Grand Canyon or a bigger hole like that, and you'd say, that's a pit, pit, pit. That is really a deep pit. When the angels just say God is holy, that would be enough. But the angels say he's holy, holy, holy. So pure. That he has to deal with evil or sin that turns away from him. God saw our sin and sent His Son to deal with that sin of our hearts, the terrible things that were in us. God rules over all. He's the Creator, as we've said. He's the Sustainer. He's the Holy God. But also, in the next slide, we're reminded, He loves us. That's why Jesus came to die. That's why he gave himself on the tree. In this passage in Colossians 1, it's showing the action of God's love. You know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I like to think of God as a missionary God. God is the one who sent his son. In a sense, Jesus is the ultimate missionary. And when people are going in his name, like some of the missionaries that are here with you, they're going with the heart of God for the people of God. Now, listen, they will tell you they're not perfect, and that's true. They're sinners saved by grace. But God sent them out with a heart to care for the poor, to care for the needy, to care for those without the gospel, that others would come to know this love of God in Jesus Christ. That Jesus exhibits Not just when we come for the first time to Jesus, but for all eternity. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jeremiah 31.3 says he has loved us with an everlasting love. All of this is on the gold page. All of this is God's greatness and glory. That He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God the Alpha and the Omega, God the Creator of all, God the Sustainer of all, the Holy One, the Loving God. Do we really see how great God is? If you're a believer, you ought to already know this. And if you're a strong believer, I have to tell you, look in the book of Colossians. Paul was writing to strong Christians. And he said, don't be satisfied with where you are and with your knowledge of God, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians, he says, learn what is the height and the depth and the breadth of the love of God, which is beyond just human comprehension. Let it fill your heart and let that motivate you and stir you. That will send you out as witnesses. That will say, I can't help but tell people, look at the greatest thing in the world and you can have it too. Join me. Let's be together in this wonderful grace of God. There's so much more to learn. There's so much more to grow. 
I sometimes think we're like little children playing in a puddle. C.S. Lewis said we're, we're playing in a puddle rather than going to a vacation at the sea. But I would take it even more than that. We're playing in a puddle and sometimes we go to the beach and we see the edge. We see a little bit more of the ocean and boy is it vast. But then we realize there are things in that ocean so deep, so dark, that we have never yet understood. God's love is bigger than we've ever imagined. Greater His presence, His glory. We'll never fathom it all, but God, help us have more. Elijah prayed, God, show me your glory. He'd seen the glory of God on Mount Carmel. Moses had seen the burning bush. He prayed, God, show me your glory. Lord, continue to open our hearts so that we can see it and receive it. And we're more thrilled by it and we're more transformed. I want us to love God more. I want you to love God more. I want me to love God more. I thank God for these missionaries that have gone out, but I know they want to love God more. Lord, you've got to give me more of your grace so I can see what I'm called to do. I can see your glory and reflect that glory to a lost and dying world. If you've already confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're trusting Him, you know this is true and it should be ringing in your heart. Say, Lord, that's what I want and you ought to be praying for it and helping us join us. If you've not yet come to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I challenge you to come to Jesus today. Ask Him to show you in your heart and understanding His love for you, His glory. Help Him. Ask Him to help you. Repent of your sins and trust Him alone to save you. Usually if we're teaching the children the gold page, we won't go all the way through the gospel. We'll just tell them the gold page because we know we're going to come to the rest of it. But I don't know who will come today and no other day. So each time, like Pastor Byron, I want to share with you, if you have not yet come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just like we read in John 3.16, I want you to come to believe that He is this great God. To believe He's the one who came and died on the cross for you. To believe that He rose again to give you newness of life. Come to Jesus today. And He'll transform your heart. And after the service, come and talk to Pastor Byron. Talk to me. Talk to one of our missionaries. They would be so excited to share the gospel of grace with you. And to tell you how you can grow in the Lord Jesus. Many of you already are believers. I'm praying for you that you'll grow deeper in the Lord. I've actually asked Pastor Byron, and we put these out by the door. Pages that have the names Jesus and some of the names of God. Not all of them. But the fact that Jesus is God. That he's one with God. That he's eternal. Jesus said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. Everything about Jesus is right there. Jesus has proven his love and his power and his majesty in the resurrection. Our last slide shows his great power and authority even over death. Jesus is risen from the dead. Do we really believe that? Do we believe with COVID-19, with the craziness of the elections, with all the other things that are going on, that that God is somehow thwarted in his plans? That somehow all this trouble in our world is going to overwhelm us? I Listen, folks, I've got other troubles apart from this one, apart from that one, so do you. But God is the sovereign God over all. And he's here to help us. And what we need to do is focus our attention on him. Meditate on his glory. I urge you, whether you're a believer or not, pick up one of these pages. Spend this afternoon, after you've had lunch, take some time just to review, just to think on the wonder, the glory, the majesty of God and say, Lord, help me see it even more. Help me be more excited about who you are and help me be thrilled to be a better witness to a lost and dying world. So they too will come to know Jesus. I want you to come back tonight because I'm going to tell you one of the secrets of the ways you can come to learn how to love Jesus more. 
It's a little secret that Jesus showed us in working with some of the sinners when he was on earth. And maybe, if we can grasp it, we'll grow a little deeper in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we want to grow deeper so we can go farther as your witnesses so that more people will be touched by the grace of the gospel. They'd see how wonderful, how amazing you are. Father, I feel like a man stuttering, only barely being able to express the wonder of God. But I pray that you, Lord God, would reveal yourself through your spirit and through your word, through your work in our hearts and lives, that we might love you more. And in loving you, seek to win a lost and dying world to Jesus. For it's in his holy and precious name we ask it. Amen.